Five, four, three, two, one. This is flashback. Now, here comes the music. Something more befitting a man of your education. Get the situation under control, gentlemen. And now, from an undisclosed location, for good reason, it's the Midlife Crisis Show, starring Elliot Kleiner and Peter Applebaum, recorded live and unscripted, but then carefully edited. talking about middle-aged sex, Elliot. Well, that's... We've gone into it too fast. We've gone <laughs> into it too fast. You always been just, my problem. You can't spring that on me and just say we're talking about middle-aged sex. I mean, that's like, hi, rollover, I'm inserting. Well, it's, it's actually a friend of mine, when we talk about uh, premature ejaculation, he said, look, I'm a busy man. Time management. Exactly. Time management. Middle-aged yeah. sex is all about time management. I, I have another friend who told me that the way that he has sex with his wife... Yes, he mentions to her that he wants the the best eight seconds of her time. And that's just for starters. That's got like top and tail. I've got to tell you a gag. At last. About middle-aged sex. And that's you, what we're here for, ladies and gentlemen, to hear one of Elliot's gags. Go for it. There's uh, a church uh, service with a sermon going on. The priest is, uh, is, is saying, look, you know, we should, uh, in, in our marriages, we should embrace the intimacy that we have between couples. And I want to get to know what my congregation feels about this subject. So can I have a show of hands? How many of you have sex with your wives? How many of the men here have sex with their wives at least twice a week? And about... 40 or 50 guys put their hand up and goes, that's fair, that's terrific, that's what a marriage should be like. Is there anybody who could give me a show of hands how many people have sex with their wives only about once or twice a month? And about 20 more guys put their hands up. And what about, is there anybody in the congregation who only has sex once every three months? Four or five guys put their hand up. And he said, surely there couldn't be anybody left who has sex with their wives only once a year. And this guy jumps up at the back and he goes, oh! Oh, 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 me, 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 me. Arnold Horshack. Just like Arnold Horshack. You wouldn't know who that is, but yeah, okay. <laughs> and uh, he says, you only have sex with your wife once a year? He goes, yes, only once a year. And he goes, well, what are you so excited about? He goes, it's tonight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That was the longest build-up, but it was worth it. <laughs> Welcome to the Midlife Crisis Show. It's not all going to be that bad. I, I would like to promise it's you that. It's going to be worse. Whether I can deliver. <laughs> on my side of the microphone is one thing, but... So it's basically what you're saying, Elliot, we're talking about your sex life. I'm not going to be talking about my sex life even one little bit. Neither of us will, because it's no one's business. It's a good thing we got guests. Thank God, they'll talk about our sex lives. They'll talk about their own sex lives, they'll <laughs> talk about other people's sex lives. We'll be inviting participation from anybody and everybody who wants to talk about anybody's sex lives except ours. That's right. Uh, and that's what this show is about. So, uh, some of the guests we've got coming up today... We have the esteemed Bettina Arndt, one of Australia's first sex therapists, who is a very, very well-known lady in the media and has written books. Part of this whole book was around erection. She's kindly given us uh, some of her time and she is very interested in uh, getting the message across and, and likes what we're doing. 
We're also going to be talking to uh, Del, Del, our friend Del, who's uh, got some interesting insights into uh, into his sex life. Well, he's our, our resident middle-aged Scotsman, and all that that entails, sporans, what's under the kilt, all those sorts of things. What, your, your penis becomes too hard too often? Uh, well, it wakes me up in the morning. Sex with Haggis. Sex with Haggis. You never thought it, you'd hear it here, but you have and you will. And you'll hear it often. And last but definitely, definitely not least, is we're going to be speaking with Lawrence J, who's the owner and manager of Our Secret Spot. It was her leaning back against the wall on one of our little ottomans. One guy on each leg holding her legs apart and open. One of the other ladies using Hitachi wand on her, her lady bits. And I think there was another lady there making out with her. And then... It was just an explosion of screams, moans, and there's a lot of oh god. Now, our secret spot is our swingers club, and I know that there are ears freaking up all over the place, and that will be the first of a whole series of bad puns that I'm sure are going to come oh, out of today's look, episode. I think there's probably going to be about 50 or 60, and all of them are going to be really good if they're mine. So the questions, and they probably will, <laughs> the questions that we'll be asking today is middle-aged six, is it enough is it is it happening? Is it necessary? We should, will, we, should we just give it a rest, Elliot? Should we give it a rest? Exactly. Uh, we've we've reproduced. Enough is enough. Should ugly people be doing it? Oh, that's another episode. Should ugly people about. be doing it with each other? Should ugly people be doing it with non-ugly people? I'm resentful, Elliot, as to why you're talking about ugly people and those of us in our middle years. I didn't say anything about people in their middle years yet, but that's going to come up along with a whole bunch of other bad puns like that one. <laughs> so let's get into it. We would like to welcome Bettina Arndt, one of Australia's great legends, particularly when it comes to the personal relationships and the sex therapy area in Australia. So Bettina, we're very excited and honoured to have you on the Midlife Crisis Show. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. Wonderful. And the subject, as you know, this week is middle-aged sex, which you are an expert in on a number of levels. None the least of which reading uh, your bio and your website is that you help a lot of people, particularly with their online dating profiles. Yeah, the whole da- online dating process, really. I've been doing this, this is really my day job now, and I've been doing it for about four years and 200 people or so, and a lot of them are over 50, and mainly women, but, you know, probably about a third of men, talking about a lot of middle-aged sex <laughs> <laughs> so is that the is that the only reason these middle-aged women go on online dating sites? No, 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 not at all. Most of them are very much looking for a relationship, but the sex question certainly looms large. Rears its <laughs> ugly head. I would have to say that, from a curiosity point of view, that what you do and what you advise people on uh, an entire new floodgate would have been opened by the introduction of social media and the embracing of that by people in our age group. Absolutely, absolutely, and and and, and particularly in terms of this sort of the single people aspect. Uh, I mean, online dating has been miraculous for helping. What well, we now have these large pools of single people in all age groups, helping them connect with each other, and it, it works really well. But it's interesting because you, you're meeting lots of people at any one time, and everything tends to be somewhat accelerated, and I do get into questions around sex an awful lot with my clients. I use sex very much as a marketing tool with my older women, because those, those women who are still interested in, older, in sex, you know, the 50 plus, in the 50 plus age group, that is a real asset, and so we always incorporate a little saucy touch into their profiles, That's... which men absolutely pick up. 
That is really <laughs> so interesting. Worth the treat. I would think that if you had all of those names of the um, of the women who were actually intersex in a very large Excel spreadsheet, that that would be a <laughs> tremendously valuable resource. <laughs> So I hope your security on the uh, on the computer is tied up nice and tight. Otherwise, uh, some of our listeners may be looking for that. Well, the problem with all of that, of course, is there's a very big difference between the women who are intersex at the beginning of the relationship and and what happens a few years down the track. And that the dilemma of the modern man, unfortunately. That's actually an interesting point you raise because doing some research on you, Bettina, before before this chat, obviously you've ha- you've made a bit of a name for yourself, or there's been a bit of a backlash against you because. You you have been very positive and very supportive of men, the men's rights and positions when it comes to relationships in, in modern Australia, which is quite extraordinary because it's almost like you've there's this movement that is all very pro-women and women have been undermined and under the thumb for so many years and generations and now it's time for them to take control and, and you're, you're a bit of a, a yin to that yang. Well, yes, and that all dates back to my early days as a sex therapist back in the 1970s when, I mean, I started off working with women and wanting to work with women and men then started to talk to me about their about everything, about their private lives, about their sex lives, and then about other aspects of their relationships. And I started to really learn and think about what it's like to be on the other side of the fence. And I just think men are having a very difficult time. You know, all the, for all the talk about men still being in power, and which is true in the, in the public arena, when it comes to their private lives, men are really struggling, in my view. And there are so many issues where men's views just don't get a look in. And if they dare to express how they're feeling, they get just howled down. And I've been writing about this really for a good 20 years, one way or another. And I get so many letters from men saying, I wouldn't dare say that. Uh, And I just think that's shocking, that men have totally opted out of the cultural dialogue when it comes to issues that are really important to them. And it's totally dominated by the female perspective. Would I be right in mm. saying that the men who ha- who are struggling because they don't want to talk too much about their private lives in that respect are the men in our age group and above who have probably been raised with that? Whereas, because my observation, I guess, of the of the generation beneath us is that they're a lot more comfortable in their own skin, especially when it comes to talking about and expressing themselves in a sexual arena. Am I right to say that the younger men have less of a struggle than men our age or older? I wouldn't necessarily agree with that. I mean, they give a good impression of being much more comfortable, particularly around the sexual stuff. But if I wanted to, if I was going out and doing, a, you know, I do a lot of public speaking still, and if I had to choose between an audience of 60 or 70-year-old men and an audience of 20-year-olds, I'd take the 70-year-olds any day. They're more receptive? They're more receptive. And I, there was a ball up in Brisbane on prostate cancer and I assumed that would attract the older audience uh, and I should have thought more carefully about it because it's young people who love getting dressed up in their fancy ball dresses and so on and so it's full of you know 20 and 30 year old young couples I was going to say the men aren't getting dressed up in ball dresses or anything no, other. The, it wasn't, it wasn't that type of ball <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean I think most older men get totally over those sort of big nights out a lot of them. Anyway, it was full of these young audience, and they they just didn't know where to look. When I was talking about, I was talking about erections and you know the sexual consequences of prostate cancer treatments, and they were so embarrassed. Uh, and I, I, w- I mean, I'll get some of that in the older audiences, but I mean I, that's partly because back those men were around during the sexual revolution of the 60s and 70s when the doors opened and we were allowed to talk about this stuff. 
And there's a whole generation of older people who are much more comfortable about sex than the 20-year-olds. Well, I actually think that my theory is that, I guess, those of us in our middle years, shall I delicately put it, we have a pretty clear demarcation and delineation between men and women. There's obviously right and wrong, and there's, there's different mores of behavior. But it's almost like we knew the differences. But I think with the, the millennials and the younger generations, it's almost like this equality thing and, and women's rights and everyone's equal. It's like, well, equality's great, but guess what? There are differences between men and women. Shock, horror. Whereas the older people, us, we know that. We're raised that. My father used to say, you never raise your voice. You never raise a finger to a woman. You treat her like a lady. You open the door. And it's, I find it fascinating. We're kind of getting into, I guess, uh, manners, if you will. But I find yeah. it fascinating in lifts. I've been raised, you always let a lady exit or enter a lift before you. And to see the absolute confusion on young women's faces, on 20, 30-year-olds, and they just say, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. Whereas I, older women I love it. Yeah. Oh, that's true. I mean, but to me, that whole chivalrous stuff is the least of it. My, my, my life means nothing, Bettina. Thank you. No, no, no. Look, I, look, I'm a great believer in men making the effort to open the door for you occasionally and that sort of stuff. But, I mean, to me, there are much more important issues in terms of the way men and women treat each oh, other. Right, I mean, obviously, look at yes. the issue, for instance, of women wearing, you know, skanky little outfits or showing lots of cleavage. And men aren't even allowed to talk about what that's like for them. And I think that's a really troubled area because the, the prevailing wisdom is women can dress like they, how they like. You know, any man who's caught looking at them is a... You know, dirty old man. Pervert, if yeah. if he's not the sort of man that she wants him to <laughs> wants to attract attention. I mean, that whole argument around the male gaze and the male gaze being offensive. Men sitting in situations with women who have hardly any clothes on and they don't know what to look. You know, don't know where to look. And if they're caught looking, they're in big trouble. I mean. All of that is just a nightmare, and it's it's all about women's right to use their power in any way they like, and men aren't allowed to talk about it at all. I agree with you, and I've struggled with that for quite some time. You know, I operate a business that uh, works in the teenage arena, and I see a lot of young girls who dress provocatively and look at me as if I'm from, uh, I've just been released from prison and somebody to be feared if I happen to make eye contact with them. Uh, which is something that I have to do as part of the course of my of my employment. However, I feel and have felt for very many years that that is a total inequality because uh, women will dress and make up and do hair and uh, enhance and augment their appearance to attract what I would consider to be the attention of men. And then when they get that attention, many of them are often the first ones to put their hands up and say that it's unwanted and unwarranted. Well, they're getting the attention from unwanted people. Yeah, that's right. But you can't, uh, you can't be that discerning. Uh, about well, you can't. No, that's the, that's the problem. They only want to attract the men they're interested in. Correct. And it's a nonsense. And it of is course a nonsense. they're going to attract all men, but they're just going to be really staining of the wrong man who happens to look at them. And I just think that's a totally offensive position to take. And if I walked around in a muscle top in an office block... Without muscles? Uh, with or without muscles. Let's not go there. I mean, the show is self-deprecating to a certain extent. And, uh, and if I happen to be standing next to uh, a woman wearing a mini skirt and uh, a lycra boob tube... 
uh, the chances are she would be the one socially acceptable and I would not. Absolutely right. But that, that, this is just one area where the whole cultural dialogue has been captured by a feminist perspective. And, we, you know, we, even having this sort of discussion is likely to get you into trouble in most arenas. That's what we're it? here for, Bettina. And, and, and I could give you dozen, dozens of other examples of that. And um, that's what drives me crazy around this whole issue. I actually have a strategy, which I've never actually uh, voiced before, but I actually enjoy it. And maybe it's a it's my own male ego that I tr- if I see a woman who's very provocatively dressed, very attractive, I make it my absolutely go out of my way to completely ignore her, to not look at her because and I know that's she's probably who cares because guess what she probably has completely not seen me because I'm over a certain age. But I just feel that it's almost like I'm not going to do what you want me to do or what you expect me to do because I don't want to do the cliched expected thing. But also you're right. She wouldn't give us you know she, if you even gave any hint of being interested she'd probably she'd be, be repulsed of that. but that's not fair i mean we're of course uh, it's not fair. Why, should, shouldn't girls wear name tags i think if girls want to dress provocatively they should wear name tags that say hello my name is georgia and i have daddy issues so therefore if you're over 50 <laughs> feel free to have a good look and that would be a reasonable no. flag wouldn't you're, it? you're basically assuming we're talking about women who are millennials but there are also women who are middle-aged who are exactly the same. Well, then we've got the entire topic of should You're they be dressing like skanks in the first place? <laughs> well, look, it's a fine line. I, I have these conversations with my clients, my dating clients. Of, you know, I mean, how do, the business of how you dress as a middle-aged woman is a very interesting one. I, for instance, in, in choosing the dating photos, I like a tiny hint sometimes of cleavage on the right woman. But not, but I thought you were going to say the right breast. It's a fine line because it can look very <laughs> skanky, can't it? Well, it can. And it's like that you've got a, it's almost like you, you mutton dressed as lamb, which is a very denigrating thing to say. And I'm sorry that Elliot said it. No, it is. <laughs> it, but it, it, it is a problem we all have. Oh, women getting older. As, I mean, I say that to my daughter a lot is, do I look like mutton dressed as lamb? Can I wear a short skirt at 60, whatever I am, 67? 60 something. Yeah. And it's like, I actually think, and again, maybe I'm just old fashioned, that I, like at the beach, a woman in a beautiful one piece is far sexier than a woman in a skimpy little bikini. Because I just mm. think it's what you can't see is very, is alluring. I agree with that completely. And I've always said this to, uh, to the my... The compromise, of course, is nude. And that's, that's always acceptable. Well, it depends. Depends, but I've always been of the theory that if you put a a completely naked woman in a pair of white gloves, the hands and fingertips are the only thing that a man will seek. <laughs> Very good. Well, yes and no. Well, that was uh, certainly you've taken us in in absolutely new directions, but I'm sure the our listeners will be fascinated to hear those insights. Guess what? I'm sure Elliot's the same. I'm fascinated to hear those insights. Yeah, totally. Good. Um, Very good. <laughs> well, maybe we need to come back and have another talk about this one. Well, day. that's actually a really good way to conclude our chat and, and by asking you, Bettina, you've been fantastic. Can we speak to you again? I'd love to. I'm sure there's plenty of things we could talk there, about. There certainly are. But there's a lot of stuff that uh, our listeners should be reading about in your books, which are available at your website. Uh, it's bettinaarnt.com.au. But in order to get the spelling correct and make sure that nobody misses that website, we're going to uh, put some links to that on our Facebook page to, to direct some of our listeners your way. Bettina Arnt, thank you so much for your time. You've been incredibly illuminating and you've certainly exceeded our expectations as to what you could bring to the show. Well, lovely to talk to you. Thank you. Are you serious? Look, Jerry, we have to have sex to save the friendship. <laughs> sex? To save the friendship. Well, if we have to, we... Uh...
we'd like to welcome Dell to the show. Dell is a man of, of great mystery, but certainly in his middle years. Would you agree with that, Dell, or is that being unkind? Well, mystery, maybe not. Okay, but that's, that's a compliment. That'll do. <laughs> so you're older than middle. Older than middle, So yes, if we doubled yes. your age, you'd be 385. Is that right? Exactly, yes. So for the purposes of the fact that we think you sound like you're going to be a good guest, you're middle-aged, okay? I'm uh, middle-aged, okay, yep. Dell, you're an authority on middle-aged sex. Let's talk about your personal issues with erectile dysfunction. Now, we only have five hours, Del. Is that going to cover All right. All right. This, this dysfunction, I think it's the opposite. I think if you get older, sometimes it goes the other way, by the way. What, your, your penis becomes too hard too often? Uh, well, it wakes me up in the morning first. That's the first thing it wakes up. It's not the... Um... Aren't those the voices in your head? And I'm talking about the southern head. Well, yeah. It, well, it, it, works, it looks like a TP first thing in the morning. A TP. A TP, so. as in like an Indian TP. Right. Yeah. So that's what wakes me up first thing in the morning. Does it do so audibly? Audibly? Yeah. Does, does it, it s- like call? Does it sit up and call out to you? The call. Uh, the call of the no, wild. No, no, it's not. Uh, it doesn't. I don't get a message. It's not like internet. Or it's not like SMA. No, no, <laughs> no, nothing like that. <laughs> Is it Bluetooth? If it's Bluetooth, and it's offline. Are you the only one enjoying this? Well, well, there's no other word to describe it but morning glory. But, uh, Del, look, this show is about middle-aged sex, and so far we're, we're hearing very much a solo experience. Can you give us any uh, illumination on uh, activities involving other people, animate or inanimate? Um, well, it depends what you're sort of, like, what you're attracted to in, in middle age. Now, there is definitely a change in life. And I think as we get older in middle age, we look at younger partners, colliders. Does that get you into trouble? Does it get me into trouble? doesn't get him into anything. (laughs) Well, it does help if you can speak another language, you know. (laughs) And uh, English not being one of them. No, definitely not. But you see, the good thing is, being a Scotsman, we wear a kilt. And in middle age, we don't wear anything under the kilt. So when you're younger, you do? Or is that just the sporn? No, no, no. No, it's just the sporn. Don't you use sporn to create babies? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you have problems uh, with a TP in your kilt? A TP, yes. uh, Yeah, yes. Uh huh. That's right. And it's a problem? Well, it's not a problem. It's more of an asset, I think. It sure sure beats a business card, doesn't it? Absolutely, you know. (laughs) Well, it sounds like you are obviously a man of great assets and great attributes. How do you actually, you know, in polite society how, how do you actually tell people of the opposite sexual and gender persuasion that i'm dell i have this amazing asset particularly first thing in the morning do you do that and does that work no i don't do that good i good. was going with a very very subtle approach when you're younger you're all sort of done holes to go in like this as you get older in middle age you should be a lot more gentle subtle approach believe in actual dating what is that you know? dell what dating, is that according well, dating, what is dating you know, according to dell Usually, when you're about 21, you're, it's like you go to the nightclub and uh, off you go and come back. Well, we don't have that middle age sort of thing, so it's more of a courtship. And a lot of, I like romance, and first of all, it, it makes the person feel at ease. Like to go for a picnic, start, you know, uh, an easy sort of gentle sort of setup, and then we, uh, then we go for uh, gold. Go for <laughs> you were doing so well. It was sounding like so old-fashioned and genteel. What's I, a, I was actually I, impressed I won, with I the. I a couple of bronzes and a, well, a bronze. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to come into gold? <laughs> we keep on coming back to the size of your penis, and 
it seems like you you've developed some kind of a strategy well, for introducing people to Dell in a very gentle and trusting environment, so yeah, that when you've yeah, you've right. captured them, yeah. then yeah. you can introduce them to the second Dell. Yeah. He's like the, he's like a horse whisperer. He's like a woman whisperer. Is yeah. Dell? I can just tell yeah. Dell. We have questions for most of our guests. These are we call them questions without notice, and this is for you uh, to answer promptly and without consideration. Okay, and you must be honest. And question number one, Dell, is what happened to you this week that reminded you that you're middle-aged? Well, when I was on a bus and a young girl got up to get off my feet. <laughs> oh, that, no, that doesn't mean middle age. That means old age. You only yeah, do that for old, old people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. Did well, she look at the teepee in your kilt and think you were pregnant? <laughs> yeah, Why do I need to sit down? I've got an extra leg to stand on. <laughs> oh, exactly. That's, that's my that's lame the, joke. That's Elliot's lame joke. All right, okay. now here's a question for you. Plus or minus... How many kilos to your ideal weight? Of the partner. <laughs> you are such an egotist, Del, and I love it. I'm going to leave that answer. Yeah, that's it. That's, that's your answer. That's your answer for that. So yes or no, do you use any products to mask grey hair? To mask, yes. That's alarmingly honest. It, it, no, it, most of it's all natural, but some of it ain't. <laughs> okay, fair call. <laughs> okay, here's one for you. How many teeth are missing or have been replaced? Three, uh, two or three. Yeah, well, we actually had a guest the other week who said eight, and he's a doctor. Oh, right. So it's like, really? So what physical activity do you do that you probably shouldn't? I wouldn't say shouldn't, but uh, I love chasing young Asian girls. Uh, right. Ooh, that's very telling. Mm. And, and that's an active, that's a doing, that's like a doing word, chasing. That's a very, very doing word. Do you, do you chase, do you, when you chase, do you catch or do you just chase? Yes. Catch. Uh, catch and release? Catch or, and release. Or catch and... Uh, yeah, yeah, you, it is. Well, they beg for release. What do you miss most about the good old days? It was freer, spontaneous, nowadays, as opposed to nowadays, there's a more emphasis on what you own, what you have, whereas younger, you know, you just go in uh, an old car. Nowadays, like, you've got to rock up in a BMW, have a house and all that completely. As you get older, there is a big difference. So a Lamborghini uh, is like a young man's teepee. <laughs> in a nutshell, yeah. Well, I've never seen an ugly woman in a Lamborghini, mm. and they seem to drop out of the sky. Beautiful Asian women drop out of the sky. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, that's another thing. <laughs> Del, you, you've taken us on quite a journey. My only take-home is the teepee image, which I'm not, I don't know how much scrubbing is going to be necessary to get that mental image out of my head. A Scotsman, oh, right. in, a, a Scotsman in a teepee. You heard it here first. We're going to end this on this note. If, if anybody ever asked the question, what is it that is visible under a Scotsman's kilt? It's haggis. It's haggis, yes. Dell has heard it all before. In fact, he's used all these lines before. And do they work on these Asian women you're chasing? Usually. Really? Yes. And is it because they don't speak English or Scottish? Well, I usually introduce them, uh, myself. I'm the King of Scotland. So King of Scotland. Of yeah, yeah, that throws them a bit. I, I and, saw that uh, movie. Hello, I'm Robert the Bruce. This is my teepee. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Welcome you know? to my teepee. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, when we called you, Dell, we didn't think that we'd be talking about teepees the whole interview. No, but, but there we go. There we go. Yeah. These are, this is the surprising part of speaking to a, a, an illuminating man like yourself. So we reserve the right to call you back and talk about your uh, your bi curiosity uh, <laughs> on on another occasion. I think you've trashed many cultures here, Dell, and we yeah, thank you for yeah. that. All right, I'll speak to you soon. Bye. Oh. <laughs> Who's your friend? Oh, I'd like to have a go with that filly. Oh, do you find me sexy? 
Oh, look at my titties. Oh, ah. Shut your mouth. Mmm, yeah. All right, that's enough. Okay, you got me. We're talking to Lawrence, who is the owner, operator, CEO of Our Secret Spot. Our Secret Spot. I have to whisper, Our Secret Spot. The secret's about to get out, Lawrence. It's, it's, uh, I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> As the owner, of course you are. <laughs> Welcome to the Midlife Crisis Show. Our secret spot is, wait for it, I'm just going, this is where I put in the, uh, the dramatic sort of underlying back music, dramatic music. Our secret spot is actually a swingers club. Now, I just want to give a, a moment for our audience to drop whatever it else, else it is that they're doing and focus in, in on. In addition to their jaws. <laughs> and focus on what's coming up now because this is something that I know, if I was a listener, would be fascinating the hell out of me. And I'd want to know, I'd want to be paying very close attention to everything that comes from this point on. Pardon the pun. Ah, oh, the word. first of many, Lawrence. <laughs> he has heard them all before, Elliot. Lawrence, tell me about our secret spot. So our secret spot is, is a swingers club here in Sydney, set up a few years ago. It's for couples only, which means single guys can't come in. So it's... That's actually something I wanted to talk to you about because I noticed on your website that there is, you know, there are prices for events and so forth. And there seems to be prices for couples, prices for single ladies, mm-hmm. and there are no prices for individual men. Yeah. Can you explain, and I'm sure that that's got something to do with the cultural sort of uh, environment of, of the swinger lifestyle or community. Yeah. What's that about? It's because too many guys are too creepy and so there's 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 plenty of nice guys out there however a lot of them just they're just weird and they just <laughs> define weird well they'll come in and they'll just stare at you right with these eye, under the eyebrow type right, look and it's right. like Ooh, it's not good or they'll follow you around and it's just there's this perception that do they wear like you know raincoats with cut off legs yeah, well, i don't know what it is like, there's a lot of them that are just they just lose themselves because it's very exciting i suppose when you're coming in there and when if you're on your own there's no one there to sort of say Oi. so are you saying that you used to have guys that were allowed to go in there no that was a decision from the very beginning no single guys at all whatsoever. but you have this experience from other swingers clubs yeah and right. parties and you, you see it on occasion what yeah. about if a couple uh i mean i'm assuming you have membership yep so if it, let's say just you know for, as an example, if a couple is a uh, has a membership and they come fairly regularly, uh, no, let's not do no, that part again. No, okay. move uh, on. Nothing to see here. They, they attend your events regularly, uh, and, <laughs> and they, they want to bring. <laughs> <laughs> He's let's, allowed. He's allowed. Let's say they want to bring a friend. Yep. Who's a single male? Would that be a, a contravention of the rules? It is. We've had that a couple of times before, and it, we have allowed it, and then more often than not, it's burned us. So we just we have a blanket rule, no, sorry, we can't allow it to happen because it just causes too many... Are there not creepy women? There are creepy women sometimes, and we have on occasion asked ladies to leave or stop that. Do you have security at these things? Do you actually have like a bouncer? Not formally. I, I am security. I, have I was going to say, look at Lawrence. In. He's not exactly a, a shrinking violet, I yeah. wouldn't think. Lawrence so. Lawrence works out just, just for our <laughs> he listening is, audience. as they right. say, and we've used it a few times on the show, he's cut. <laughs> Built like if I was to be invited to a swingers club and I walked into a room full of women and then there was Lawrence, I would just turn around and walk out again. Because <laughs> no. you would be Nonsense, in- it's part of the fun. I've, I've been all week wondering how I can insert... <laughs> oh, Elliot, Elliot, <laughs> Booby, you can do better than that. You're better than that, Elliot. Okay, carry on. This phrase performance anxiety into this show mm. well uh, it's, uh, yeah, uh, this is the place this is the place yeah, this, is the, know, this is the confessional 
Lawrence. This is from, and we're, we're talking about middle-aged sex. Yep. What's the average age? Yes, exactly. Of the punters that come? The average age is those in their 30s. So right. Is there a restriction? No, there's no restriction. We don't have any restrictions. However, people sort of um, restrict themselves just based on what I just said. So when they go, well, we're in our 50s. Can we come? I go, sure. And they go, what's the average age? 30s. And, and then they don't. They right. Go, we don't want to come when it's full of 30-year-olds. So It's kind of self-regulating because of people's... Now, that's, that almost touches on some of the issues that we were discussing with Bettina mm. about people being comfortable in their own skin. And it doesn't mean that you don't get any sort of no, over, over 40s, over 50s We've got there. guests that, that are regulars and he's in his 60s. He's 61 or 62 and she's... Just turned forty something. They look fantastic. Go him. And they look. He's great. got a woman twenty one year, years younger. That's well. That's impressive. another question. I mean, people would. Uh, and I'm I'm coming purely from my own uh, curiosity about this sort of thing. I mean, we've all maybe I'm generalising when I say we've all met or known people that have played in the swingers environment. I don't think most people have, Elliot. Damn it. Well, we, ju- we just happen to know one person. We who, do know who one does. person who who's in this scene. And I would think that it's not that easy at our age to be in such great shape that you would be completely confident in a room full of 30-something people who do this all the time. Do you find that there is some method, aside from alcohol, that helps people to... Um, the lubricant. Sort of move... all types of lubrication that <laughs> our secrets are. How do people get into this environment? Well, I suppose once they come into the club like ours or any other party, when they find out that people are just nice, lovely, they don't care. Like You don't have to have a six-pack or be you know chiseled and just buff. Once you take your shirt off and people are having a good time, they just go, oh, well, it doesn't matter. No one's judging me. I'm just here for a good time and... Lawrence, can I ask a question which I'm sure a lot of people who are listening to this would want to ask? And I know it's a general one, but I'd appreciate your insight. How does it work? In terms of just on on a regular night, what happens? Exactly. Exactly right. Exactly. Okay, so there's sort of three phases to the evening where we'll have people who are coming in. Probably, you know, the first uh, couple of hours they're coming in, they're meeting and greeting, having their drinks. Um, and this is where all the connecting is done between the couples or the single ladies or whatever it might be. You know, talking about regular stuff and then it starts to drift into the, the sexy conversation. What do you like? What are you here for? Etc. I mean, it's fair to assume that everybody's there for the same thing. Well, some people are there for... They, there's different styles of play. So there's um, two big ones, are soft swap and full swap. So full swap is you swap partners for everything, including intercourse. And soft swap everything but intercourse generally and it or, and then those rules are then debated between the couples like what can they do oral right touching, so there's kissing, a, you, whatever the, the couples themselves draw the line about what what they can what, what constitutes soft and hard swap that's right right yeah and so everyone's everyone's idea is a little bit different that's why it's always important to ask so and that's what that's what a, a big part of the night is is asking you you're finding out when you know oh i like the look of them what are you here for what are you doing and it's pretty much a, a question just like that in the initial the getting to know you phase are they fully dressed or do they change into like typically robes? yeah you're just no you're just in a you're the clothes that you came in like you like i would be just in je- jeans and a shirt or you know ladies in a dress cocktail dress That's some of the some of the ladies like to change in lingerie but i was going to say do they get dressed up do people get dressed up to come to the the club yeah yeah there's i've seen some people there's like you're in a ball gown <laughs> <laughs> are you licensed there no we're not no, so, li- no, no liquor license so people bring booze they- yes it's BYO right so you can bring your own and, and I would expect that I mean I know if I was going to go to a place like that even to just have a look around you'd want something to and I don't drink 
I would want to be drunk. <laughs> <laughs> we hear that a lot. They go, oh, I need a drink for this. This is too much. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> See, it's, it's funny. Pe- people's inhibitions. and th- But this is an environment that you're creating, which is almost like a safety zone where you can yeah. let your guard down and, and live out whatever fantasies you've got yeah. in a, an environment filled with like-minded people who are not going to judge you for that. Hmm. It's, it's, there's a service that you're performing. I mean, there's a, there's a niche in the market for people that want to experience this sort of thing. How many people, when they get to that, as I say, the cocktail stage, what's that first stage, the, the phase, the getting to know you phase again? The, getting the, to know you. The meet and greet phase. The meet and greet. How many people at the meet and greet phase say, this is not for me, I can't handle this, I'm out of here? Mm, not that many. They're at least happy to talk. And if, they're, if they're, they've decided in their mind nothing's going to happen, they'll at least hang around for a little bit and wait. Um, where we lose people is when the play starts to happen. Or if people come in into the, the venue while play is happening and then super confronting straight away and they're going, well, this is not for us. Right, because it's, it's kind of like a, there's a timeline, right? There's a journey, right? Yes. I, would, I would think that the people that come to the club fairly regularly that are members mm. uh, skip through a lot of the, uh, the, the early stuff and, and just want to get straight into sex. And if you are coming to the club for the first time and you walk right into the middle of that, that would be enormously confronting, especially if you're a bit nervous about yeah. the idea. Yeah. I would think that there people have already probably gone through several steps of discussion and, and, and sort of comfort setting before yeah. they even get dressed to go to an event like this yeah. for the first time. Well, that's actually a good point. Lawrence, do you, if someone contacts you via email or phone, do you actually say, and they're, they're on the fence and they're not sure whether they want to come or not. Do you actually give them any, say, go to this website or look at this video to just get more comfortable with the idea? Well, I assume if they're calling me, they've already had a look at the website and we give a lot of basic information about what to do, um, especially if they sign up to some of our emails, they'll get tips on what to do before they come to an event. So I'm assuming they've read that. If they haven't or it's blatantly obvious they've just called me, I'll say, look, go back to the website, have a read through it. Um, sometimes you get the person in the, in the partner going, oh, my partner's and I'm doing this. And I'll say, you better have that discussion. Yeah, exactly. Now, can I ask a question? How many, and this is as a digital marketer, how many people on your database? Just under 3,000 couples. 3,000. 3,000 couples. But obviously, couples. you know. Couples. Couples, yeah. Wow. But how many people average? I mean, I'm sure you're open every, what, Saturday night? Uh, but you're open other nights too? Friday and Saturday. Friday and Saturday. Okay, so Saturday night would obviously be the big night. Mm. Uh, what a good gig you've got, Lawrence. You work two nights a week, and when you do work, there could be worse jobs. <laughs> so how many people do you think would, would turn up on an average sort of midwinter Saturday night like tonight? Midwinter Saturday night, you, we might be getting around 20 couples. Oh, okay. Well, that's a reasonably yeah, manageable exactly. group. Yeah. So I, I would assume that the place is laid out in, in such a way that there are lots of s- sort of small spaces and yep. some larger spaces. So right. your meet and greets would take place in kind of a lounge atmosphere. Yep. And then there are smaller, what you'd call, you know, in the in the corporate industry, breakout rooms. Okay, we call them playrooms. Playrooms. <laughs> well, another like in a conference, a plenary session. And, and so this is where... I mean, you can have privacy if, let's say, you know, two couples decide that they just want to have play with each other mm-hmm. and they want to be completely separate from the rest. They can find a private place to do that. Yep, we have private rooms where you can close the door and there's uh, an understanding in the Swinger Lifestyle where there's, if the door's open, come and join. If the door's closed or if there's sometimes they have a little chain, it's, it's put across, it's, you can watch don't touch and if the door's completely closed no one's looking no one's seeing anything that's amazing so you're really catering for everybody's level of comfort we try to yeah and from a security point of view are there um, closed circuit television cameras in the rooms or not no it's just 
we only have them on the outside, and that's just because of um, council of course, um, okay. regulation. regulation that they yeah. say you have to have at least some kind of CCTV on the front, which is every place you'd go to, you just something something. Is there a license or a permit to do to, to run an establishment like this? Yep. So you've got to be registered with council as a sex on premises venue. So there's in the adult industry, there's a couple of levels. There's brothel slash massage parlor, strip club, sex on premise, adult bookstore. And obviously, we come under sex on premise. Is it difficult to get that type of uh, um, licensing? It's not. So I've done. I've never gone for any other council approval for anything, but it, it did take quite a while. It took over five months, so it's it's a bit of toing and froing with the council. It's not uncommon. I mean, I just say, a, a just regular development application or building application for a, for any kind of business, whether it's signage or or a shop front or whatever. Or any, any type of new erection. That's it takes time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least they laughed. So, at least, uh, <laughs> at the very least, the, I imagine that uh, there, there is a fair degree of heightened emotion with mm. these sort of things. I mean, if we were, we're talking about, uh, obviously, uh, uh, cross-play between couples and, and individuals and couples, there's jealousy issues, mm. throw alcohol in the mix, anxiety, uh, senses of inadequacy or whatever... Do you find that there are sometimes this erupts in unpleasantness on the premises during these events? Occasionally it happens um, and we do our best to manage it. Obviously we ask them to go to a quiet spot in the, in the venue and have it out, whatever they're doing. Oftentimes it's sort of just, you can you get a sense for it. They're quietly having a, a disagreement and then they sort of just leave. But having a full blowout is not all, not very common. I've only seen it I mean, once or twice. Tell mm. me about it. Tell me, tell me. <laughs> what spill, happened? spill. What Lawrence. happened? What happened? Oh, there was shoes thrown. There was tears, and there was sort of like guys, you can't. There's door slamming. I go, this is not, this is not your home. You can't That's right. do this. Exactly. <laughs> and other people are just sort of stopping and watching. It's like, okay, well, now you've ruined their sexy time. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> is there? Uh, let's get to the watching thing, right? Is there? Are there couples? that just come purely as voyeurs to watch everybody else have sex? Yep, and that's that's their thing. They're just known as voyeurs. They just want to watch, not be touched. That That's what gets them off, and I guess they might go home or back to the hotel and have the best sex of their lives after just going, that was really hot. We enjoyed watching that. Are there groups? Like, do you have these, like, massive group sessions that happen sometimes? What do you mean, like, orgies? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's <laughs> some of the best nights we've had where it's sort of a, a bit more of an intimate crowd, so it's maybe, like, ten couples at, at most, and it's you think, oh, well, but they all got along, all, you know, on the same demographic level, so they're in the same age, the same sort of aesthetic appeal, uh, and then they're just room-hopping, having just group sex, and like, well, this is fantastic. So This is lifting the lid and lifting the inhibitions on so much. Mm. Uh, I'm really enjoying the insight here this is fascinating stuff because this is the stuff that a lot of people would just even be frightened to talk about mm, exactly um, especially within their own relationship yeah now lawrence the material that you've given us for this sh- uh, for the show today has been absolutely amazing outstanding eye-opening jaw-dropping and that is terrific because i think we need to get you back for next week's show because we're going to make this a two-parter so it'd be terrific if you could come back it's like uh, the soft phase and the hard phase. I probably wouldn't have described it that way, but okay, since we're on that subject matter. The Dry and wet phase. Oh, <laughs> even better. Black label. Lawrence, so, black label. Lawrence uh, from Our Secret Spot, will you join us again next week so that we can discuss something even more juicy than we've covered so far? Absolutely, and I'll try and keep my Friday night a little more tame. So. I- because you've just been over the top today, Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs>
My goodness, what a cornucopia of experiences we've had, Elliot. Experiences and viewpoints and ups and downs and highs and lows. Oh, it's been exciting. We've gone to places we never thought we would go. I didn't think that this was going to wind up being such a jam-packed episode with so much material. But as it turns out, of course, we're going to have to hold this over for a two-parter. A two-hander, in fact. Oi. That's, that's an expression. Is it? In, in the theatre. In the th- okay. Where I'm active. I'm going to defer to your good judgment. I drive past theatres every day. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's been uh, fantastic talking to our guests today, uh, some of whom are going to be joining us again to follow on next week with more of the same topic because there really is way too much to cover in one. And while most of the time we are apologising for having not achieved very much at the end of each of our episodes, I would gladly say that this is one of the... Yeah. What's that about? One of the most interesting episodes in terms of... And it's about bloody time. We've, finally. We're interesting at last. We've struck gold. We've found a topic that's that's we're going to have to who, look a bit more. Who would have thought that people are interested in sex? Certainly, I didn't think so, but you know, it's, it's an explosive topic, oh, and we're going to cover more of it. How but, many puns in one episode? That wasn't even intended to be a pun. So it's my mind. We're out of here. We'll catch you next week for more of the same on the Midlife Crisis Show.